This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the Stinkin' Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth. Presented by Sweet Sweat. Hey, welcome in Stinkin' Truth Podcast alongside uh, Mike Evans. Great to have Mike Evans back. Scott the Hub producing the show. Great to have Scott back. I mean, we're all kind of together again, separated, but together Kind of different studios, making sure that we uh, that we uh, monitor the uh, CDC safety protocols and all that bullshit. So, um, just want you to know that we're doing it the right way. Uh, don't what? speak for all of us. Oh, you guys don't want to do it the right way. Well, no, I want to do it the right way. Okay, well, I just I'm don't want to call it bullshit. Well, no, I mean, I, did, I didn't bullshit. Wasn't derogatory term. I mean, it's just a lot of stuff that we're going. Oh, through. I see. Oh, yeah, I was. Uh, hey, want to thank our pre- presenting sponsor. I'm sure they're going to be excited about this. The great folks over at Sweet Sweat who have been so good to us. We're going to do one of our question marks again. We got a bunch of questions in on question mark for a chance to win a seventy-five dollar gift bag for my friends at Sweet Sweat. They've got a new, uh, a new. Pre-workout, new post-workout coming out, which is uh, great stuff. I tried it out. They sent some the other day. I started so, wearing their belt, one of oh, their yeah? exercise belts. Yeah. You know, and like the, exercise to help, you know, kind of, you know. Make you sweat. Make you sweat, push in. the fat out a little bit. Yeah. I use it all the time when I'm squatting. Just as a, you know, when I'm doing squats. Oh. Just because it keeps me. Not, not when like, you get ready to drop I'm, a deuce, you wear one. Yeah. No. I don't put it <laughs> on to me. drop a deuce. I don't, me. I don't need. <laughs> I don't need any help. I, <laughs> no, you I, don't. I, I know. <laughs> you are I am, proficient in that. I game. am. Uh, when people say I'm a regular guy, well, yeah, yeah. You, you know what? 100 percent regular. You're a Hall of Fame regular. Right. Uh, thanks to the great folks over at Sweet Sweat who have um, obviously done such a great job for us and uh, presenting this podcast. Mike, how are you, buddy? I'm good. Good to be back. I was back um, east for my annual uh, family slash guys weekend, and it was uh, it was interesting because in Denver. When you and I are together, we talk about Patrick Mahomes as kind of the boogeyman. Mm-hmm. So when I was back in New England, I got a chance to listen to some Boston talk radio. And they're even more afraid of Patrick Mahomes than people are in Denver. I mean, they're already talking about this is going to be the next dynasty. Right. How are we going to compete? Yeah, well, I mean, the odds of this becoming the next dynasty, like, really. I mean, I understand that Patrick Mahomes is good. And I understand that they have pretty much all their offensive weapons. They're returning 20 of 22 starters, 10 on offense, 10 on defense. So so I understand that. But, you know, you think about repeat champions. It hasn't happened. Even in this dynasty that is the New England Patriots, it hasn't happened since the Patriots went in, what, 2004, 2005. Right? So the repeat champion aspect. Now, do I think the Kansas City Chiefs are going to go to nine, you know, Super Bowl championships over the next 20 years? No, absolutely not. But do they have a chance to have kind of a dynastic run of, you know, multiple Super Bowls and, you know, playoff appearances and all that? Yeah, absolutely, I think that. But I don't think – I just don't think what the Patriots were able to do over 20 years – I don't know that that will – you know, we talk about records that may never be broken. You talk about DiMaggio's 56 hitting streak. You talk about uh, – Will Chamberlain scoring 100 points in an NBA game. You, you talk about. I mean, there's. I'm sure there's a bunch of other ones that I'm missing. Maybe it's it's uh, 
Emmett Smith's 18,000 and whatever yards it is. Uh, but, like, I don't know that anybody will ever go on a run like the Patriots were able to go on over 20 years where they went to nine world championships and won six. In the salary cap era, right. But if you had to put, okay, let's say if I set the over-under on Super Bowls that Mahomes and the Chiefs win moving forward, yes. not counting this last one. Okay. Okay. Let me say I'm going to put the over-under at two and a half. I'd go under. Under. I'd say they. I'll say they win. He they only win. wins one or two more Super Bowls. One or two more career. Super Bowls over the next fifteen years. I just know how hard. I just know how hard it is to keep people together. The other thing that that blows me away, and maybe Patrick Mahomes is this way. Maybe he'll be fine. He seems to have, like he seems to understand. Like it's not about. It's not about as much about money. You know, I had this conversation with a buddy of mine who knows who who knows news who knows uh, what is what was the closer or the the relief pitcher that was uh, Patrick Mahomes like Godfather? It's Latroy Hawkins. Latroy Hawkins, yeah, longtime Twins, yeah, longtime Rockies. Twins, Rockies. So uh, this buddy of mine said that they sat down. It was Latroy, it was Patrick Mahomes' father, and Patrick Mahomes for an hour discussing the potential of signing this new deal with the Chiefs, and not one time in that hour was money ever brought up. It really was about what you can do for the franchise. Do you want to live here for the rest? Like all the other things that are probably more important, because the money, you're going to get the money. Like The one thing about that $503 million contract he signed, listen, after the first three or four years, you're going to re, you're going to re up. They're going to give you money, upfront money. You're going to take it. You're, you know, you're going to, you're going to negotiate to spread it out over time so that they can manage their cap properly. You're going to get all your money. Kind of like what Tom Brady always used to get praised for. He constantly takes less money to keep. And yeah, he, he constantly takes his money up front so you can, Make the cap number go down so it looks like you're taking less, but you're really getting your money, right? right? Isn't that how it's going to work? But that wasn't – the money part wasn't the most important part to Patrick Mahomes. So my big thing about New England over that dynastic run was really how do you keep from being sated? How do you keep from just being fat when you've had that much success? Because human nature would say – Man, I'm going to take some time off. And yet, Belichick and Brady are constantly grinding. Nothing, they're never satisfied. They keep going. Look at Brady right now, 40. He'll be 43 here next month. And he's out there in Tampa right now getting kicked out of parks and walking into the wrong people's houses, for crying out loud. Like, he is so committed to being great. Well, I I think the, the thing that jumped out at me right away when you were talking about that is Belichick insisted that even after a Super Bowl, that no matter what, the next year, you were starting over. And you are starting over with a new team, a new identity to mm-hmm. forge, a new character to develop. So in many respects, what the Chiefs are doing is very anti-Belichick in that they're coming back with the same team. Right. Their idea is let's, let's get the gang back together, whereas Belichick, and, and remember, during the time that he built the Patriots into what the Patriots had become. Think about all the key guys, popular guys, that he jettisoned. 
you know, the Lawyer Malloys, the Logan, Logan Mankinses, the, uh, uh, the, the Richard Seymours, right. and, you know, guys that he, you know, just moved on from. Vince Wilforks With of the, the world. idea right. of, I don't want to keep it the same. I need to change it every year to keep that hunger. So the Chiefs are going to kind of test that model a little bit this year because they're bringing everybody back. Right. I think the next. I think the next. The window for them is the next three years. I think Patrick Mahomes right now has like over the next three years he'll make sixty-seven or sixty-four or something like that million dollars. Like when you think about that from from the quarterback standard, what the what quarterbacks get paid today. Like you're just paying him over twenty million dollars a year, just over that. I mean, come on, that to me is changing the couch cushions of the owner's office. Like that, that's that's not a lot to manage. And you know, for all those people who say the cap is going to get them, the cap is they they use the cap in the NFL. They they use that to sit there and say they use it to their advantage. Oh, we can't pay everybody. It's the cap. It's this, that, and the other. It is a soft, manipulatable cap. And they can pay anybody they want to pay. And they don't have to pay. And they can use that to their benefit. And they do it all the time. So, I mean, I think from a management standpoint, they'll figure out a way in Kansas City to manage him and pay him more money than anybody else and still keep him at a value that is that is manageable when it comes to the cap. Yeah, you're right. NFL teams tend to – NFL management tends to kind of get their way – did they get their way with these? Uh, am I using the right word? Concessions that right. were given to the players. They'll be testing for every day for the first two weeks of training camp, and there'll be no preseason games. Yeah. Is that a is that a major win for the players? A, well, a loss for oh, the owners? Right, right. I've heard that. Like I've heard that. Well, first of all, first of all, you know everybody busted baseball's nuts about the way they negotiated, right? It was right out there on the in the open. It was all about money. Every it was all about money. And everybody busted baseball about the money aspect of this, right? And what did I tell you? It's about money for everybody else. Baseball's just baseball's just got their dirty laundry. They got their dirty skid mark skivvies hanging out in the front yard. You know, they're like, hey look, I shit my pants, you know? I mean, and it's just out there, and everybody else is trying to hide their skivvies, right? right, right? right, right. But the bottom line, NBA came back and still is going to play eight regular season games. Why? To satisfy the, the regional sports networks and the contracts so they can make money. That's what it comes down to. And and football, to me, is interesting because football has, football has come out with this, all right, we'll concede. You know, it's all about, quote-unquote, safety. Like, is it really about safety when the players go, we don't want to play in the preseason games? Like, that's not safe? Or is it really, we just don't like playing in the preseason games and we don't make any money to play in the preseason games? Like, really? And when you talk about concessions, all right, testing every day? Oh, okay, we'll test you every day. <laughs> How tough is that? Like, the, the players are negotiating for today. The owners are negotiating for next year and years to come because I can see exactly what's going on. Oh, you guys don't want to play preseason games? Okay, that's great. We're going to go 18 regular season games. We're going to find a way, by hook or by crook, to get our 18 regular season games in. Maybe we'll drop it down to two preseason games. Like, for me, Mike, yeah, as a 10th rounder out of Idaho, if I was drafted today with the same circumstances and the injury history and all that, I wouldn't make an NFL team. I just wouldn't make it. My NFL dream would have ended this year because of COVID. Yep. And... 
And that part's sad to me, you know? I mean, I look in Denver here, you know, one of the great stories over the last two years has been Philip Lindsay, free agent signing out of CU, 190-pound running back. If he was a free agent out of CU this year, he would not make the Broncos. They'd have had guys like Dumbledorf and, uh, you know, some of the other clowns they had playing here forever. Who was, what was Dumbledore's name? Devontae Booker, uh, everybody. Oh. will introduce you to Devontae Booker, now with the uh, Raiders. All right. He had six catches last year, so he was a real threat. <laughs> Good. Hey, congratulations, Raiders. Yeah, don't – before the players pat themselves on the back, look, the owners – understand what those four preseason games meant to owners. They were able to charge full freight for tickets, mm-hmm. for concessions. Parking. For parking, all of that, while paying – their players, nothing. They have fifteen hundred bucks a, a week. Nothing, a pittance. Yeah, and it was just revenue, gobs of money made in the preseason mm-hmm. by the owners. So for them to so casually say, "All right, well, yeah, look around. There, there aren't going to be any fans at these preseason right, games. There's right. no gobs of money to make. Yeah. So all right, fine, we'll give it to you. But you really think that these owners, but are f- going to give away right the four games? That that revenue produced from those preseason games. No, what they're going to say is, okay, it won't be zero, it won't be four, but it's going to be two, and there'll be an extra game tacked on because they've already agreed be two to more go games. seventeen, right? Right, and it'll eventually be eighteen. And it'll eventually be. They're eight. not going to. Yeah, this you, is you a short term win for the players. You make a great point. You make a great point. They held on. The owners held on like it was important to them. No, we can't give up the preseason, the games, the preseason. The, 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 they weren't going to have fans there. They were going to suck it. There was no parking. There was not, So they held on to it tightly, and they finally go, okay, you can have it. Right. <laughs> like, all right. I mean, it is. Right. It's like giving your kids an extra 20 minutes on their curfew. All right. Listen, daddy's a good guy. <laughs> not 1130, 1150. Right. Be home or right. never go out again. Right. right. I mean, right. I mean, it's just pretty. I mean, it's so. Uh, yeah, I mean, what did the owners really give up? What did the players really gain? And and honestly, for me, Mark, I kind of look at them like, well, wait a minute, players. Why is it so important that you not have any preseason games? Is getting ready for the regular season important to you at all? Right. Because I don't know. You tell me, but I, I would think that you you got you got you to do something in the preseason. I would agree that four is too many. But you would think that, you know, even the most seasoned veteran out there needs at least a game, at least a game to get out there and actually play it like it's a game to get ready. I I see the players going for no preseason games as them almost saying, yeah, you know, hey, if we're ready to go for the start of the season, that's great. But if we're not, eh, no biggie. Yeah, I'm with you. I guess I'd like to see a little bit more professional pride, I guess. Well, I think that, that the most veteran players feel like they don't need preseason anyhow. They, they don't need the games they've played there. But, you know, again, it, it, the advantage goes to, like, the Chiefs. Huge advantage. Ten starters back on offense. That You know, when you think about just football in general, but I'm just going to focus on the offensive side of the ball. You think about the, the trunk of the tree being the base of your offense. These are the plays that we hang our hats on. These are the things that we run on a consistent basis. We're always going to run these. And then everything else branches off of these basic concepts. So first day, first concept, you're running, if you're a zone team, you're running 18, 19 handoff, right? 
And then the branches are, okay, now we've got 1890 handoff as our base. That's the trunk of our tree. Now we've got 1819 force, 1819 weak. Now we've got, you know, and, that, and then we, we, we start to, hey, 1819 toss, 1819 crack, 1819. So all these branches that come off the base, but we've installed the base. We know what the base is. We could run the base in our sleep. One of the, hey, one of the base passing concepts, day one installation, is um, lion and dragon. So getting a two-by-two two formation, lion is double slants on the on one side, right? You're running double slant routes. Really, you know, really good, you know, and, and really just a good basic concept. And then dragon is a slant drag on the... On the opposite side, or slant drag on a two-man two uh, two by two formation, or you could have a one. You could have one guy out there. He runs the the X receiver, for instance. If you're running out of a weak formation, so let's call it um, weak right, or let's say weak right. So you've got you know on the strong side, you've got a Z and an F. If you're running it, or you've got a, a Z and a tight end out there, like if you you. You slide out the tight end, and you're running double line on that side, and then you run your slant from your X receiver, and your fullback runs the the flat, right? So that would be dragging on that side. But the bottom line is you get in a two-by-two formation. That's a day one kind of root concept. And then you've got a bunch of things off of that. You know, you go sluggo off of that, right? So it's a slant and go by the by whichever receiver, the Z, Z, you know, Z sluggo. So you run... That's how you that's how you kind of add to it. So the teams that have their base concept in that have been running the same plays for the last four or five years, i.e. the Chiefs, they've got a huge advantage. All right. So what if your team like the Broncos, a lot of young players on offense, new offensive coordinator Pat Shermer? What if you're the Patriots? You know, you got right. Josh McDaniels and some of the players in place, but you're trying to get Cam Newton up to speed. What what if you're one of those teams that doesn't have that continuity? especially on the offensive side of the ball, how do you, do you, how do you, I guess, do you do things differently than you would normally do in training camp to microwave the whole process? I think, I mean, I think there's going to be situational, like more situational football from a um, a team-on-team environment. So there is going to be more of that. And I think ultimately it's very much like college football. You know, in college football, you practice for a couple of days, then you have a scrimmage. Then you practice for a couple of days. You know, you you practice for two or three days, then you have a Wednesday afternoon or evening scrimmage. And then you practice for two or three days, you have a Saturday scrimmage. Then you practice for two, you have another Wednesday. And then, then it's stress rehearsal. You know, that's just kind of how it goes. Um, I think you're going to have to do more of that type of, of football where you have real life kind of game situations, let's scrimmage. And and let's roll. But and, understand, a lot of those college teams, the vast majority of them, they do all that, and then they open up with Wofford. Yeah. Okay. Right. So. Right. They're exactly. allowed. They're allowed that kind of soft, soft launch. Right. You don't get and, that luxury in the NFL. And it's different to in today's NFL because they don't want to risk getting anybody hurt. You know. So it's like it is uh, the two one two of the most shocking things that ever happened to me in my football career, Mike was we had a guy by the name when I was at University of Idaho, one of the very first days of, of training camp, we had a guy by the name of Scotty Katz, who was just, he was defense, like a nose guard. He was about six foot one, about 305. You know, he was just a short, squatty body guy. Tore his ACL, and he is writhing around in pain on the ground. And 
you know, I'm right out of high school, and I'm thinking, well, we're going to end practice. Like, right? And Dennis Erickson was, like, pissed that somebody got hurt. It's just, move the drill. You know, and he's like, and I was like, what? Move the drill? What do you mean, move the drill? And we just moved to a different part of the field and kept practicing while he's writhing in pain, right? And so there was there, there was that reality, this shocking reality of this is what football is, you know, at the college level. And I had a similar situation when I played for the Broncos. We had a guy, we were running a live goal line drill, a guy break his neck in practice. And, like, it's, you know, it's severe. When somebody breaks their neck, it's, you know, and the ambulance pulls on the field and everything. And we just walked down to the other side of the field and started live goal line again. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Like, wow. You know, hey, I've take a knee, a, take I've, a knee, say a prayer, and yeah. then let's go practice. Wow. I mean, I've always been amazed at how one of those injuries occur during an NFL game. Right. And you guys all sit around, you're, you're mm-hmm. talking to each other, you're, you're praying, you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're yeah. obviously shaking, and then the ambulance comes out, player goes off, puts yep. the thumb up in the air, yep. and then commence to playing. Yeah. But at least there's usually a bit of a gap. Yeah. We you just guys wa- just like. We just, Mike Shanahan's like, you know, Riverside, let's go, down the other end. For a broken neck. For a broken neck. Ambulance pulling on the field. Yeah, yeah. By the way, just was the player ended up being okay? Yeah, the yeah okay. The, he did fracture his his neck, but it wasn't it right. wasn't you know Whew. he didn't become crippled, but I ended his I believe it ended his career. Wow. Um, but anyhow, you know th- those are these shocking moments, and and one of the things that has happened in the NFL is there's less and less contact during the course of practice. You know, you don't have live to the ground tackling drills. You don't have live drills like that was really in my last days in the league. That was really the only live contact to the ground drill that we ran. Um, but when I was in Washington, we scrimmaged all the time. We had a Wednesday night scrimmage in a stadium every Wednesday night and a Saturday night scrimmage every ne- Saturday night. And we beat the snot out of each other. You know, that was, but that was the way it was back then. So I think there's going to be more of that now than there has uh, ever been. I, I got to ask you a quick question, I'll, I'll, different subject real quick. Um, Antonio Brown is he? Uh, hmm. Is that it for Antonio hmm. Brown? I mean, is it? Uh, I mean, are you sad to see him uh, go? He retired. You'll have, to, you'll have to excuse me if I'm uh, a bit skeptical about his proclamations that uh, this is it and he's ready to walk away. Mm-hmm. I, I'll believe that when I see it. I could just, especially, especially knowing how fluid things could be this year with rosters and uh-huh. you know the the idea that all of a sudden injuries or maybe a couple of positive tests, all of a sudden your wide receiver room could be pretty decimated right so what are you gonna do so you think if a team calls him oh if a team calls him he's not he's gonna he's not gonna say hey guys i don't know if you read my tweet right but i actually right. retired right. 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 for the fourth time like right. I, yeah. I, no. are you no i think it'll be like hey antonio i'm gone i'm there yeah I, mean, I don't think they'll even get the question out yeah i mean you want to talk about the boy who cried wolf yeah you buying it Hell no. No. If somebody calls him. Now, I think he still has to serve some type of suspension or, or you know, but this is not the last we've heard of I Antonio Brown. I'd I mean, be shocked. I, I'm sure that if if somebody needs him or they think they're an Antonio Brown away from winning a championship or being a playoff team, there's going to be somebody who calls and he's going to be answering his phone. He's not just going away. 
All right, Mark, you ready to uh, get to a little question mark You here? bet. Yeah, All right, absolutely. see if we uh, get some of these questions. We'll For the great the folks one. at Sweet, Sweet Sweat, by the way, where you're getting a $75 gift bag of, of great stuff, great products. So really cool stuff. Um, so go ahead. Fire away, Mike. All right, this one, uh, first one comes in from Jerry. Mm-hmm. Jera. Obviously, he's been thinking about this in the shower. How would you assess Derek Carr's ability to play the quarterback position? Has he had a fair shot at reaching his potential? Um. I think that this is the year for Derek Carr. Remember, he was playing at a Pro Bowl slash MVP type level, and that goes back quite a few years, but then he broke his leg. You remember that when they were a playoff team, he broke his leg? What year was that? Like, I don't know, 2014 or something like that, um, where he was playing really, really good football. And over the last couple of years – they have stripped that organization down to the studs to get that move to Vegas. And now this organization is being built back up. So I think this is the telltale sign. Last year, they were decimated by injuries to the receiver position. They're really, the only guy they had that was worth his salt as a receiver last year was Darren Waller, the tight end. He was exceptional. And, you know, the Williams kid is a number two, and I think he's a good, and Tyrell Williams, I believe his name is, He's a good player, a good number two, but he can't be the number one guy. So I think this is the year where you're really going to assess what Derek Carr is. He should be fully healthy. Um, This will be his, what, third year now in John Gruden's offense. And the first two years, like a year ago, I did a Raiders game, and it was like there was nobody. They had a bunch of number fours playing their receiver position, right? There was really nobody. Last year, they were a much-improved football team, but they still lack some depth and speed on the outside. I think they've addressed that this offseason. I think they'll be a much better football team. I think they're probably, in my mind, you know, fighting for that number two in the AFC West right now behind the Kansas City Chiefs between them and, and the Chargers, and I think Broncos are, you know, a not-too-distant fourth in that division actually uh this one's from it's okay i was inverted at m finder three top gun reference there what do you feel is the ceiling and the floor for the jets this year i think the ceiling and the floor are pretty close to one another i think the ceiling is the floor what i mean what do i think the jets are going to be they've addressed a an offensive line that was a real problem for them um i still don't see them giving their quarterback, their young quarterback, a ton of of I mean, I, I I'm a big believer in building a team from the inside out, but I also know that Adam Gase, their head coach, wants to be in eleven personnel eighty percent of the time. It's a hard that's a hard thing to do. Um I think they're a six win team. You know, I think they're right there. I think they're improving, but I think they were they were such a bad team. And maybe it's the seven wins because maybe that division has has fallen back a little bit with the Patriots and everything else. But I think they're a six seven win team, and I think that's kind of I don't think they're gonna I don't think they're gonna win two games. I think they're gonna win six or seven games. I think and 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 I don't think they have an opportunity to go to ten. Like that's where they are. Uh, one more. Uh, this is from Dave, who says, "Is there any way the Broncos can defend not having given Justin Simmons a contract extension? What is the impact of this on how?" Their young talent and incoming players will view the team. Um, I listen. I think that Justin Simmons is a really good young player, but I think the Broncos. I think the Broncos 
looked at him and evaluated him, kind of like I look at him and evaluate him. He's not one of the top five safeties in the league. He's right underneath that. If that's the elite level, if that's the elite, he's right underneath that. And I think they offered him a contract that was that was, you know, commensurate with where he where he is in his career. And he wanted top money as a safety. Now, I like the one criticism I would have for the Broncos is if you know he's a good young player and you've invested in him and you've and you've grown him up to this point, then come at him a year early. And maybe overpay him the first year of that contract, but make him a guy that is a bargain for you for the next four or five years, as opposed to you know putting yourself in this position. But I, I will I will tell you this, Mike. You put on the film, and Kareem Jackson, who's a veteran player in this league, when you put on the film, Kareem Jackson makes more explosive kind of splash rewindable plays than does Justin Simmons. Part of that is because he's the guy that. He's the guy that rolls down in the box in eight-man boxes and rolls down and and gets into the buzz coverage situation, you know, where he's a middle-of-the-field defender and and kind of a free roamer. And, like, he does more of that, so there's more opportunity to make those splash plays, those big hits in the running game. But the bottom line is I think the Broncos probably assess Justin Simmons kind of where he should be assessed. After that elite five players at that position, he's right there at six or seven. Uh, okay, so which one are you going to go? We got the uh, Derek Carr Raiders question, the Jets question, or the Justin Simmons Bronco question? Um, I don't care. I mean, it's it's up to you. I'm gonna, I'm going to leave that up to you. Where do you want to go? Uh you know what? Uh, just because I love the it's okay. I was inverted uh, at M Finder three, and it's yeah uh, you know, Jets. Not a lot a lot of Jets talk yeah, during okay. the off season. I like that. Let's give the Jets a little uh, love, and let's give this guy uh, a little bit yeah. of love. And it's the only love the Jets are going to get. You know what exactly. they led? The, you know what the 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 Jets? They, this good news. They led the league in one category last year that I know of. What you know, giving up safeties. Oh, re- oh, really? They gave up more safeties than anybody Did else. They really? In the yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, they went on and got Beckton, right? So. Yeah. There. So there you go. That's uh, for the Jets. For everybody involved in the Stinky Truth Podcast. For uh, my great partners here. Uh, and for the great partners that uh, make this thing go, that's Sweet Sweat. We thank you so much for your partnership. Um, check them out at SweetSweat.com. For everybody involved, thank you so much, and we'll be back with you later in the week.